Hey, what's going on? Before we talk some GSW hoops, just want to let you know, I got a new segment coming on the pod. I've got some good friends with the Ewing, within the Ewing Bang family with some really amazing stories, and it'd be a shame if they are never shared. So stay tuned for the first episode of the Wang Bangin' Storytelling Series, The Ghost Pooper, as told by former contributor George Wu. And now, some Warriors basketball. Ah, it's a great time to have a ball. It's a great way to let it go. It's great for your basketball. It's a great time out. It's a great, it's a great time out. Hey, what's going on? This is Emil Lang with the E-Wang Bang Podcast. Coming to you with another Warrior Wang Bang Wednesday, except this episode's probably going to come out on a Monday. Uh, I'm coming to you today with just a solo episode today. I was ready to let go of the Genio James Liao, but a heated debate on his value to the podcast ended with him screaming, You fucking need me! And him spitting in my face. I've not been able to trade him to any other podcasts since uh, other podcasters have heard about the internal rifts and have offered very, very weak draft picks in exchange for his services. So for now, I gotta keep him. But he's being sidelined for this episode and sent off on an unpaid vacation. Anyway, so this is going to be a relatively short episode. Um, it's mostly just to recap the first two weeks of Warriors basketball. And what really is there to say? I mean, we've started out a scorching hot 9-1 and one with only one loss coming uh, from a last-minute block against the Denver Nuggets, who traditionally are a tough team to play. And granted, have done very, very well so far, uh, a surprising 7-1. and one. The spectacularity of the Steph 50-something 50, 50 point game against the Wizards... Kevin Durant's 25-point game against the Knicks and uh, Clay's 14 three-pointer game against the Bulls have all been very well covered, and I don't think I need to go in too deep about uh, my thoughts on those because, uh, I mean, it's, what can you say? It's just fucking incredible, but uh, we've almost come to come to expect these sort of things from this team. So I'll just touch on one overlying issue that's relevant to these high-scoring outputs that we've been seeing um, throughout the league. You know, we, we've been seeing very uh, a lot more high-scoring games. You know, on any given night, you'll find box scores of teams scoring you know 140 points, and this can really be credited to two things. Um, for the casual fan, I'm not sure if you're aware, but the shot clock has been changed so that. Off any offensive rebound, the shot clock is now only reset it to 14 seconds versus 24 seconds. So, which makes sense because you know for part of the 24 second shot clock is bringing the ball up beyond half court. So after an offensive rebound, you don't really have to you know you, you don't, you're not doing that anymore, and it's kind of pointless that you let a team milk a clock for that long, um, especially in the last minute of the game where. You know, uh, one offensive rebound can basically decide the outcome of a game, which I think is a very, very anticlimactic way to end the game. And the Warriors of the you know late '90s and early 2000s basically lost games um, off of offensive rebounds. So, uh, really happy to see that. Uh, the second change that's been beneficial is prov- uh, it, that's been helpful in providing a higher scoring output is how tight they're calling the off-ball fouls, uh, contact that limits the free movement of players off the ball has been called a lot more strictly and we've seen this uh, early in the season you know some games uh, the Warriors were called for something like 60 or 70 fouls Um, but it's also helped us on the opposite end because 
you know, in a free-flowing, you know, motion offense that the Warriors have where, you know, dudes are coming off picks from the baseline or on the wings, you know, this really helps a lot. And let me remind you, we got dead-on legendary shooters and Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and Klay Thompson. So it's really no surprise that the Warriors have been able to break records in three-point shooting. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if Clay's record is broken later this year, whether by himself or Steph or even a player, um, you know, a high-volume three-point shooter like, uh, you know, Devin Booker or uh, even James Harden can possibly uh, to pr- can possibly break this record. So uh, don't be surprised if the record's broken uh, as soon as this year. With all these rule changes, we're going to see a lot more three-pointers jacked. That being said, all in all, uh, I like what I'm seeing. And as a guy who doesn't play defense myself on the basketball court, I can say I definitely appreciate it. So moving on, I wanted to bring up the uh, the center rotation. I mean, Damian Jones has gotten a lot of praise for the way he's been playing. To be honest, I, you know, I like what he brings. He brings that kind of JaVale McGee, you know, vertical spacing aspect to his game. He's got size, and, you know, as they say, you can't teach size. Uh, and he's actually a really good um, screener off the ball, which I, I think JaVale was not so great at. But one thing I wanted to point out is that in the, you know, after having a pretty hot start the first couple of games, I mean, he hasn't been as playable, which is a little concerning. He's averaging, you know, six points, 2.5 rebounds a game at 16 minutes per game, which is all right coming from your starting center. I mean, it's not like Zaza gave us that many, you know, quality minutes either. But what's a little concerning is that we did extend him that uh, that qualifying offer, which is good for, I think, $3.4 million. But one thing to keep in mind is that the Warriors, assuming we don't shed um, any salary, we're in danger of being in that repeater tax. So that $3.4 million for Damian Jones is actually going to be something like you know a, a six, uh, 6.8 or something. Um, and if James is here... Uh, he would probably give us a better picture of that. So we we got to think of it that way. It's not just what his salary is, uh, but it, it's more of how that impacts the team. And overall, you know, with Boogie Cousins coming back and with some stable play from Kevon Looney and Jordan Bell, I don't see a whole lot of value in giving in paying that much for a guy like Damian Jones. Though it is nice to have that uh, that certainty that we do have the opportunity to um, match any uh, contract offers he might get in restricted free agency next year. Because Damian Jones is a center that we could have for the future, and he is still growing. He will get better at defense. He, you know, as he gets more playing time with the team, he will he will have a greater impact. But if he's reached what his ceiling is now, I, I think it, it would be a bit of a concern. So that's one thing we should be keeping an eye on throughout the season is just the development of Damian Jones and ultimately, you know, is he the center of the future? Uh, and also keep in mind that with once Boogie Cousins comes back, I think Damian Jones falls to the third or maybe even fourth center on the rotation because Kevon Looney is is not going away on uh, in this Warriors rotation. Uh, on that note, you know, I, I've loved Kevon Looney's stability. His uh, He looks like he's even in better shape this year, um, you know, off that pick-and-roll defense. We knew he was awesome at it last year, in that especially in that Rockets series where he was able to 
where he was able to D up Chris Paul and James Harden on the switches. He's still able to do that this year consistently. And one thing that I've noticed is actually his offense is a little bit better. Um, you know, we, one of the big knocks on him was that he his hands weren't great last year, so he wasn't as confident on that pick and roll, as well as, you know, off of offensive rebounds. I felt like he was never able to go back up quick enough, so he got blocked a lot of times or lost the ball a lot. He's still not great, but the fact that he's able to get, you know, eight points, ten points a game off of those little rolls and offensive putbacks that's really encouraging. Uh, he's another contract that next year, you know, he's going to be an un- unrestricted free agent again. I think if he keeps his play up, teams teams will definitely give him offers, and the Warriors are going to have to be ready to lose him essentially because I don't think they're going to have a heck of a lot of money to offer him, especially after uh, resigning Damian Jones. Jordan Bell, um, you know, he's in his second year. He's he's still a little bit of out of control. Don't love the fouls that are coming off of pump fakes. I've seen him foul a couple times on three-point line. And he's, you know, with with the emergence of Damian Jones, uh, he's kind of fallen out of the rotation a little bit, uh, which is fine. You know, like I said, he's a a second-year player. He's still learning, and he's got pretty big upside. Just got to hope that he, you know, stays focused and maintains a good attitude because uh, after being a staple of the uh, the rotation last year, it, it can be kind of discouraging for him to lose his spot, uh, similar to what happened to Pat McCall. Uh, on the topic of Pat McCall, uh, still unsigned, not playing anywhere in the NBA, uh, likely going to end up on the Shanghai Sharks. James and I covered last episode how confusing that whole ordeal was, so I don't need to go into that this time. But one thing I did want to talk about is the emergence of Alfonso McKinney. The Pat McCaw thing has been a blessing in disguise because it's opened up a roster spot for Alfonso McKinney, who comes in as kind of a tweener, small forward, power forward, which isn't exactly what uh, the, the position that Pat McCaw plays, but he He's there to do the same things. He, he's there to not make mistakes, hustle, and hit open shots. And, man, has that guy hit open shots. I mean, he averages uh, only six points a game on 13 minutes, uh, but he's shooting 56% on three. And when you see him play, you know, he doesn't hesitate. I mean, Pat McCall, I remember last year, you know, you, you throw him the ball, he'd be open, and he would hesitate. I mean, maybe he would still end up shooting it, but just that that – kind of bit of hesitation just shows that he wasn't ready to take those shots which affects how accurate you are Alfonso McKinney has has the green light to launch those even on fast breaks where uh, he's taking it up I've seen him pull up and take that three a couple times so love the confidence love the hustle I mean he's awesome on the offensive boards he gets four rebounds a game and in just 13 minutes so uh, just imagine if he was a regular rotation guy he would be a, a small forward that that averages 10 rebounds a game. Uh, he's got crazy hops, almost to that, uh, you know, that that Russell Westbrook recklessness uh, that sometimes you're like, whoa, like, you know, tone it down a notch, you might hurt yourself. But, yeah, just just love his game. And uh, one little interesting tidbit is, uh, you know, he was a journeyman, played in, like, Mexico and Germany and played, like, 14 games uh, on the Raptors last year. But he's actually the cousin of, the former uh, Warriors security uh, head officer or something. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that relationship, if that relationship helped, um, you know, what, 
similar to kind of how Damian Lee, who uh, who's on a two-way contract with the Warriors, uh, he got signed, and he's also, uh, I believe, the he's the brother-in-law of Steph Curry. So interesting how some of these family ties have worked out for the Warriors. Uh, in Alfonso McKinney's case, it's been a, a true gem. I still got some concerns on the bench, uh, especially with Sean Livingston being out and Iggy, you know, uh, whether he's actually hurt or just taking time off. We have a bit of a gap at the one slash two positions. I mean, Quinn Cook, uh, James and I covered this last episode. He offensively, he's pretty good, but on defense, uh, on the defensive end, he's just getting killed. Hoping that the Warriors are able to pick someone up or maybe even, you know, get McKinney some minutes at the two position. Um, as I, as I wrap up this episode, just a few things I gotta, I gotta take back. Uh, I, I was pretty hard on Jonas Jurepko from his preseason play. He looked lost. He looked like he lacked confidence. That hasn't been the case. Seven points, 4.3 boards and 16 minutes per game, 44% on threes, which is solid. Uh, and also a game winning tip, uh, in Utah against his old team, which was an incredible moment. It's good that you know he's he's come in at that you know what Omri Caspi or Nick Young were supposed to be last year. I think I saw a stat that through uh, the first five games he hit he hit ten three pointers. Omri Caspi hit I think uh, ten three pointers in the whole like in the whole regular season that he played last year. So Jonas is coming in and doing what he was paid to do, which is comforting because the bench is always a concern. One thing I also got to take back is saying that the Kings sucked. I mean, James and I joked how they were a trash, uh, trash team, and they were worse than uh, than a than a JV high school team. They've been pretty good. Their record sits at six and three. Uh, they've beaten some kind of subpar talent, but the mere fact that they're winning those games is already a huge step up from uh, from what they were before. So uh, I'm curious to see how De'Aaron Fox. Uh, plays out the rest of the season and also uh Iman Schumpert had a, a breakout game uh 28 points which is probably one of the most baffling things I've ever seen but we'll see if he keeps that sort of play up and the last thing I gotta take back and this is the the biggest one of all and Ewang Bang uh, Warriors faithful you're free to uh rescind your subscription to this podcast from <laughs> on this alone uh I said that the Wizards would be a uh we're a dark horse candidate for number two in the East. They've started out one and seven. They've looked terrible. Uh, I know Dwight's been gone with a with a butt injury, but uh, I don't see that situation getting any better unless they blow it up, get rid of Wall or uh, Beal to get um, you know, to, to get some good veteran leadership that uh that meshes well with that team because it, it is it is astounding how terrible they are with how much talent they have. And after uh, making this call about the Wizards being uh, the number two in the East and saying stuff like Sam Presti was the GM of the year for getting Carmelo Anthony last year and Kobe Altman should be the GM of the year for making the uh, George Hill and Rodney Hood trades, uh, maybe I'm the one that should be traded out of this podcast and not the genio James Liao. All right, well, that's it for this episode of the Warrior Wang Bang Wednesday. Next time around, James should be back, so we'll be talking a little bit more about the status of the league and some of the other teams and how they're doing. But until then, go Dubs. Thanks for listening. Ah, it's a great time.